All right, it's four o'clock. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Welcome to this panel on IIIF. So today we have three presenters and we have 30 minutes. We do hope to have uh, time for questions afterward. But let me introduce my uh, fellow panelists. On my left is David Newberry, who is an enterprise software architect at the J. Paul Getty Trust. And David will introduce uh, IIIF. Uh, just to demystify it a little bit before the, the our two talks here, and then he'll wrap up with what's next for Triple F. Um, on my right is Thomas Reich, who is the director of IT at the Yale University Art Gallery, and um, Thomas will introduce a large collaborative project around Triple F at Yale, and then I'll follow up with. Um, I'm, I'm uh, at the Yale Center for British Art, and I'll follow up with a use case of um, IIIF adoption at the center f um, as an early adopter and what the challenges and opportunities come with that. So without further ado, let me turn it over to David. Hey there, everybody. I'm, I'm here to give the five-minute version of what IIIF is. We've, Emmanuel and I have been giving versions of this conversation for quite a while. And so I, I'm hoping that this is a, a sane version of what IIIF is that we can do in a short period of time. And if there are people who want long versions, I'm always happy to talk far too long about this sort of technology. So when you think about IIIF, what you have to think about is that what it really is are a couple of standards. IIIF at its core is a community of people who get together in a room and argue for a long time about how to write a couple of web pages that describe the structure of a couple of JSON documents. But what that really does is it helps solve really standard problems that we have in the cultural heritage community around meeting normal use cases around images. Because what we found is that a lot of what we do is dealing with images and how to deliver them up in software. And so the first part of IIIF, and the easiest part to explain, is the image API, which is really a standard way to get the right set of pixels out of a bigger image. And so if we look at this lovely picture of an iris on the left, you, there's a IIIF API call, which is just a way to say there's a standard um, URL string you put into your browser that will give you this image. And by changing the little numbers in there where it says full, full, zero, if you changed it to say, I want a particular rectangle inside that picture, and I wanted a particular size or a particular rotation, you can say, I want that little rectangle there and get that different thing. And so there's lots of systems that do this work to generate a particular region of pixels to give you on-the-fly derivatives of images. IIIF said, let's just do a, let's define a standard way to ask for those derivatives so that if you ask for one from Getty or from YCBA or from Yale Art Gallery, you can do it the same way. So your software can get pixels from any system that implements IIIF using the same software and the same patterns. And so that's the first problem that IIIF tries to solve. The problem that IIIF, second problem that IIIF tries to solve is the IIIF in the, in the presentation API is a way to describe sequences of images. Because we know you often don't want one picture, you want three pictures in a row, or five pictures in another row, or you want the pages of a book. So what's a standard document to say, this picture comes before this picture, this pictures are sort of book-like, and also to give a little bit of context for those images to people. 
IIIF isn't a way to exchange metadata between systems. It isn't good at that at all. All it does is say, I've got this pictures, and here's a bunch of text that you could read if you wanted to figure out what these are. And it helps preserve context around images because we know that's a really important thing to do. <clears throat> um, it also helps manage rights information. It lets you put in standard rights agreements, credit lines, institutional logos, the things that we all know we have to do to meet our licensing agreements. They've talked to lots and lots of people in the field to help understand that. Um, the last thing the presentation API does is it lets you annotate these images to allow sort of a standard way to let anybody make a comment on a particular image or a particular region of that. And also a standard way for me as a publisher to provide back some subset of those comments to you. Um, any one of you can write a comment on any of the Getty's images. Um, IIIF does not mean that I automatically publish that for you, but I can choose ones that we provide or to provide access to other people's annotations. There's a couple other APIs that are there but less commonly used. One helps you search within those annotations so that if you had a book and you were looking for particular words in that book, how do you go from those annotations to the page of that book? And the other one is if you have some of these that are rights restricted that you want to authenticate, what's a way to discover what the rules are about that annotation? And so at a core, that's what IIIF is. It's a way to get pixels. It's a way to talk about sequences. It's a way to annotate images, a way to find particular pieces of content within it, and a way to help talk about the rights of it. Um, and why should you care about this? Because <clears throat> there's lots of tools that do this kind of work. But what IIIF really is, is it's a standard. There's not a vendor tool that you're using. There's a whole ecosystem of tools. And it's a system that works together. All of these pieces are designed by the same people to work together pretty seamlessly. So you can get all of these pieces out of the box the same way. But the most important thing is that it's a community of people. It's designed to help these systems work together <clears throat> and also to let us build on each other's expertise. So I don't have to write an image viewer or an image server or an annotation server <clears throat> or an interface because other people in the IIIF community have already done that. And it means also not only are the software tools there, but the experience and the learning from each other is really, really important. And so at that point, I'm going to hand this over, and we can talk about how this has worked in some of the institutions at Yale. So we're going to take a, a little more. We're going to take a huge divergent and talk strategy for a little bit. Um, the talk's description had the phrase "institutionally adopt IIIF." Um, so what I'm going to do, and I'm going to try and do it as quickly as possible, is act as a manual sidekick um, to talk about the Yale environment and paint a picture of uh, where we've come from and where we are. So when she talks about IIIF, um, what we're working towards is a campus solution, even though we are very many individual silos on the university. So that being said, uh, we have to go back 10 years. Uh, the cultural institutions, specifically BAC and us, started working together uh, to form a dam. When it came time to purchase, the Peabody Natural History joined us. Uh, so we have a long history of working together uh, with the dam. Uh, we uh, created services on top of the dam. So we've had various working groups throughout the years um, and, and lots of uh, partnerships uh, within the cultural heritages at Yale working together digitally. 
Um, and in the physical spaces, as you can see listed there, um, uh, we've been working together on a variety of levels in the physical space as well for teaching, research. And then the last item I have there, um, fairly new to Yale, we're working in the conservation area. All of the cultural areas have conservation departments. There's now a central uh, cultural, uh, excuse me, preservation and uh, conservation department. Um, we are still trying to figure out how we all work together. Uh, again, we're individual silos, um, but there is uh, that, that physical space that we're also collaborating on. Uh, we jump forward to today, and the library has uh, joined as a strategic partner. Uh, we now have our second generation of the dam. Uh, we have gone with NetX and Preservica uh, as a sidecar to, to send items for preservation off to the side. Our, our first dam, if you're interested, was OpenText. We have moved on to, to NetX. Uh, so we're continuing. Now we, we have that strategic partner of the library. Um, with this working group over the past two years, it's roughly two years, and I, uh, yesterday we had our phone call and we're working on our second fiscal budget and, and, and the request for that. So uh, th with the library and this new working group, we're in about our second year. Uh, with that, we're working on a cross-collection discovery. Uh, it's a personal dream of mine, one-stop shopping for a search engine that crosses across all of our individual areas. That's something that we're working on. Uh, it's funded and we're making great progress on it. Um, and then uh, there at the bottom, we're going to circle back to IIIF. We are working on IIIF as a service. This will be something that is managed centrally that we can all take participate in. Uh, and it goes hand in hand with the cross-collection search. So you find an object, you're going to be able to then be able to look at that object with IIIF. Uh, how do we get along there? Very quickly, how that all came about is a new CIO came into campus, worked with the provost, and the six silos were created as functional silos across the university. One that you'll see there is cultural heritage. So we now are at the level of the provost um, and we have funding that comes from there uh, if it's approved. So um, in this working environment, we've had all day think group sessions where partners from across the university, and this is how we came across the cross collection discovery uh, as our priorities and how the fields were defined for the cross collection discovery. Uh, we've done focused reports. Uh, we are doing education across the university, which I know Emmanuel will talk about. Um, and the important part is we continue to have senior leadership buy-in. Uh, buy uh, the director of each of the museums meets, the director of the li library meets. We have monthly meetings, and this is an ongoing priority for the university. Uh, what's next for Yale? Uh, we continue with our various projects. Uh, linked open data, IIIF, these are all continuing. Uh, these, uh, we were working on grant development. We are waiting on pins and needles to find out if a grant is going to be improved. And then, like I said yesterday, we are actually in phone calls working on our, our next cycle of budgets. Um, and then the, the physical presence we can't ignore. We have a huge physical space at, at Yale that we are all collaborating on, not only on existing physical space, but we're planning out future physical space. Speaking for the art gallery, um, we have a lot of catching up to do. Our, our gallery has not stepped foot into the IIIF space, so we're looking forward to the new services that are coming forward that we're developing as partnerships with across the university. Along with that, we have to clean up our own data. We call that the fields of dreams. Uh, we've, we've labeled that to work with our curators and emphasize to them that we need to get our data act together. 
Um, and then, of course, as we begin to work with on a new website, we're rolling in these features that we're seeing coming down the pipeline of, of IIIF linked open data. And with that, I give it to Emmanuel. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll use this microphone. How is the sound? Okay. Yeah. <coughs> so as I said, um, the YCBA has deployed IIIF a few years ago, so I'm, I'm going to take a look at um, the current project from the perspective of an early adopter. And so what does the IIIF history uh, looks like? What does it look like for the YCBA? Um, so actually, Yale as, as a whole uh, became core founding member of IIIF in 2015, which means that actually Yale University uh, paid or is still paying dues every year to support um, the development of the APIs and the, the community in general. So back in 2015, there were 15 uh, core founding members. Uh, we are up to 53 today. Um, does that mean that everybody needs to pay to come into IIIF? No, <laughs> that's absolutely not a requirement. Um, but it, it, it is important for the development of the community, essentially. Um, the, David has talked about how the community has grown, and actually we're about to hire a third full-time uh, employee for the consortium who will be a, an events coordinator. So the, 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 the consortium is, is really growing. Um, that same year, uh, the YCBA then became uh, the first unit at Yale to deploy IIIF. Um, two APIs, the image and the presentation API, uh, APIs. And the way we did it is that we flipped the switch for our um, online collections catalog. And that's one of the options um, that other museums have done, but it's not, it's not, of course, the only option. The VNA has been doing a lot of very interesting experiments uh, with using IIIF for um, exhibitions, online exhibitions. Uh, so, you know, more focused, ad hoc kind of projects, which are very, very interesting. I encourage you to, to look that up. Um, but today, what does that mean for the YCBA? Well, we have about a little bit more than 81,000 um, IIIF images for about 35,000 objects. Um, that are in the public domain. So we do all that rights vetting work before um, making those images IIIF compliant. Um, and that um, project, essentially, um, releasing IIIF to our online collections catalog totally meets Yale's open access policy. So uh, fast forward to 2017, as Thomas has uh, highlighted, we've, we've now have a uh, um, a cultural heritage IT pillar at Yale, which really enables us to have deep conversations about collaborations and, and deep structural changes on how we, we support uh, teaching and learning at Yale using technology, and IIIF is definitely a core element of that. Um, and of course, the big announcement here is that Yale as a whole will be uh, deploying IIIF um, probably in early 2020. 20, I, I, there's a nice typo there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but essentially, IIIF, so the, the content delivery uh, service um, that will be IIIF enabled at Yale will be the first tangible element of the Yale-wide cross-collection discovery service, which is quite a, quite a feast. Um, so I'm going to run through what IIIF looks like for the YCBA to kind of give you a tangible idea of what, what, it, what it looks like. Huh? So um, the YCBA 
uh, uses the Mirador open source viewer. There are loads of viewers you can choose from. And at the end of the talk, we have a, a link to a lot of very good documentation and you can have a look at the other viewers. Um, on the right there, you see a panel that essentially describes the, um, the object and that metadata comes from our collections management system. And that part of the the IIIF ecosystem, if you will, is called a manifest, which is essentially a resource where you, you, you have data to describe the objects and, and the images in, um, in the viewer. Uh, Mirador is very versatile. Um, you can have as many frames in that uh, viewer as you'd like. Uh, it allows you to pan and zoom and, and do all sorts of, of things. Here I have five images. I could have more. I could have just one. Um, here I'm comparing, I brought in images from the Getty and the Colby Art Museums, um, both early adopters, of course, of the IIIF standard. Um, and that's a very nice feature, obviously, that's the, essentially the, the core feature of IIIF is this interoperability layer that allows you to bring images from other museums, other institutions, libraries, or archives, into your viewer. Um, and that's a round trip, of course. Get you could bring our images into their viewer as well, even if it's not Mirador, actually. Um, the manifest there on the right, again, uh, as David mentioned earlier, has um, our logo, but it also has nice links to our machine-readable data. Uh, there's a link to our XML and another one to our RDF which means that essentially now the, our manifests become kind of a gateway for external services to come and scoop up our data, right? They don't actually need to knock on the door or call or uh, even come to our website. They, if they have a hold of our manifest, they can have a hold. They can come and scoop up um, our machine-readable data. And here, this is a quick slide just to illustrate what um, David alluded to uh, just before. He was showing you um, a change in the URL here to zoom in on a region of the image, and I've just changed two uh, parameters of the image API to flip the image upside down. Uh, that's 180 up there in, in the URL, and I, I changed um, the other parameter to gray. I could have done bit tone or something else. And this is without downloading the images at all. I'm just changing the parameters there in the URL. So fast forward to 20, June 2019, then at Yale, um, where we, you can tell, we've done a lot of work on campus to kind of get buy-in. And this was a really nice day where, as Thomas has said, the directors of the various collecting units came together um, to a day of presentations um, by Yale staff members as well as external uh, IIIF experts, um, really to announce kind of this large change on campus um, revolving around image uh, interoperability, essentially. So a little word about collaboration. Um, and this is a slide that dates a little bit, actually, um, this was produced by OCLC probably around 2011, 2010. Um, but just to reflect for a minute about what collaboration is, right? And 
we're very lucky right now at Yale. We, we're in a good phase where we both have a mandate, a specific uh, mandate from the vice provost for collections and scholarly publications, as Thomas has highlighted, right? Um, we have funding. We're really happy to work uh, with our colleagues in central ITS. Um, and we also have a problem uh, to solve that actually addresses a long-standing frustration of the various collecting units on campus, which was around this inability to exchange images properly. Um, so this is, this is great. But what happens when those cycles of deep collaboration don't happen, you know? And I, I want to argue that actually it's, even though there might be those lull times might be a little bit frustrating, or a lot frustrating, um, it's also a good time to kind of, you know, go check out your colleagues across campus and kind of build those human connections and so that when funding and, and skills and, you know, all of that gels or gels together, you're ready to go. So what does the um, IIIF content delivery service infrastructure looks like. Um, so we are very much in the final stages of defining this specifically, so I'm not going to go into any super details about this, but what I can say is that, um, of course, we're building on a previous instantiation of our content delivery service, um, and that's maintained by Yale Central ITS. Um, the, that CDS will be shared by the museums. Um, the library um, system will develop its own IIIF implementation, and even though that might sound of, as a, a little bit of a, a, a sad note, I, I actually expect that that's not gonna be a big problem, and the reason is that there is very strong collaboration around <coughs> developing a structure and a practice for building manifests between the libraries, archives, and museums at Yale. Um, so building blocks. We, as Thomas said, we've recently migrated to a new dams, um, and we are now using NetEx, and that's a system um, that will send metadata, technical image, te technical metadata to um, RCDS. On another building block that has not changed and will probably not change for some time, are the respective museums' collections management systems, right? Um, that is a very stable layer. Um, the art gallery and, and the center are using TMS, but our natural history museum actually uses uh, EMU. Challenges. Um, so, or perceived challenges, I should have said, actually. Um, we were a little bit worried because we had implemented IIIF at the museum for a few years. So we were a little bit worried that that might mean deep changes in workflow for us. Um, we'll see that it's not exactly true. Um, what it does change is the, how do we explain to users um, how to handle IIIF, right? Well, they are not uh, limited to asking for specific sizes anymore. They can ask for sizes up to a certain limit, right? So there's a, there's a variable here. Um, a, a fairly big change, actually, is the, the change in the source image format. We used to um, use tr uh, JPEG 2000, and we're gonna change to pyramidal TIFFs. I wanna point out to a nice um, 
survey that the Getty did on the benefits of, uh, uh, the, of pyramidal TIFFs, if you can look it up. Um, a, another big change is putting in place um, activity streams. So that's totally new for Yale, and that's, that's going to change the way we interact with aggregators. And um, the respective museums are actually going to only um, you know, express that the changes in their metadata or images or their deletion or, or new creation to the CDS service so that that service does not have to harvest everything every single time. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a large piece. Um, another challenge is this compromise on data around IIIF manifests. Um, and the center had experimented a little bit with IIIF and layers in IIIF, and uh, that's, that's not going to be maintained for the um, next phase of the project, but um, we were just experimenting, so I think it's, it's probably fine at this point. Um, so just to highlight a few opportunities, um, this change in, or perceived change in workflow is actually not so much a big deal. We're still very much in, co in control of, um, and that's true for the gallery as well, um, how we assign access levels to images in the dams. That's going to stay the same. What the conversation around IIIF has brought, though, is this nice uh, investigation of a workflow, a uh, business workflow tool. Um, we're looking at Gobi, but it might be something a little bit different. Um, but that's gonna, probably going to be a shared uh, tool. Um, and the center, as well as the other museums, are still very much in control of the metadata they will send to CDS. So, you know, it might be different data, it might be different uh, levels of, of metadata, and that's up to each museum to decide, which is very nice. Um, in terms of user education, well, yeah, that's, that's a piece we have to, uh, to solve. Um, I've talked about the uh, performance of pyramidal TIFFs, um, and we're extremely happy, actually, to have ex activity streams coming our way. That's going to make interacting with aggregators so much easier. A big piece of the um, opportunities here is um, a conversation around the adoption of rights, standardized licenses, and tools. And I want to go a little bit in depth about, about that for a minute, and I'm two slides away uh, from the end. You'll see here at the top uh, three, uh, three elements highlighted in bold, and that's basically the required, ele the required elements for uh, the Yale Manifest. So it's really, really light. Um, what the YCBA is suggesting to our partners is, is also an additional element of license, which requires a URI link, um, and that's the one field that actually has brought on this uh, wonderful conversation about harmonizing how we handle rights, licenses, and, and, um, and we're looking at Creative Commons licenses and rights statements. And that's a huge leap forward for the Yale collection. We've each collection uh, so far expressed you know, our own kind of local uh, terms for use, um, which can be a little bit problematic for users, right? 
So I want to end with this uh, slide of people talking and working together because I think collaboration is a big, big uh, part of this, um, of this story. And, and leave you with the thought that really IIIF has still is a lot of work, but really is a nice opportunity to bring us uh, to uh, a nice best practice level in terms of how we uh, disseminate our digital assets um, at Yale and beyond. And just to quickly wrap up and to go sort of back up to the high level about what, what is coming next for IIIF as a community as a whole. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest news that's happening is that the newest version of IIIF is, if things go well, coming out this week at the IIIF conference that's happening in Arbor right now. Um, and the biggest difference is that IIIF is, is now aware of time because we, one of the things that we've heard over and over again is, wouldn't it be nice if the sort of interoperability benefits that we're getting for images also worked for audio and visual video? And so over the past four years, the community group has been working on understanding what it would mean to express that. And we're very happy to say that we now have a version of IIIF that will work for this along with new viewers and new tools that will help with that. Another major thing that is coming is this discovery API, which is built on the activity streams that Emmanuel was talking about. It is really the tool that we need to support aggregation, which is useful both for large consuming things like DPLA or Europeana, but also for this cross-institutional collaboration or even cross-system collaboration. Um, it's a really, really useful tool that will help with that process. And as Emmanuel said, there are all of these new viewers coming out. And they often are, what we're seeing is the first wave of viewers were, we want something that's good for books, or we want something that's good for comparing images. What we're seeing now are viewers that are, are much more specific. Um, one of my favorite is from an uh, organization that's here, COGAP. That's a IIIF viewer that's designed to do sort of slideshows through art and give narrative experiences new ways to start using IIIF now that we have so many resources this way. And I think that's the most interesting thing that I'm seeing coming out of the IIIF community right now, is that over the past six years, we've put a huge emphasis on publishing and on standards. What we're seeing now are more and more people who are using the images in interesting and different ways, to tell stories, to do transcriptions, to teach science, to, to create art. And I think that's what's so interesting is that we've put this infrastructure in place and we're now using it to do things that are completely out of the realm of what we were thinking with when we started with IIIF. It started to do books and now we're doing art installations. So thank you all very much. Here are some useful links to help you get deeper into the IIIF and we're around for questions. <laughs>